Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the number one resource for actors and talent seekers. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage, and I'm here to guide you through every aspect of the entertainment industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. These intimate, inspirational conversations with today's most award-worthy film, television, and theater artists provide you, dear listener, advice on how to live the creative life, personal stories of success and failure alike, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. There's something about having friends involved that you believe in so hard that takes the pressure off yourself. So you don't yeah. have to think so much of like, what will they think about me? What about this? Or that I'm like, mm. well, I believe in them. So that makes me believe in the show. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of In the Envelope, live from this particular closet. I am so thrilled to welcome Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle on the podcast today, the creators and stars of Hulu's hit comedy, Pen15, both Emmy-nominated as writers on the show and playing middle school versions of themselves circa 2000, circa the year 2000. It is a very cringeworthy, awkward type of comedy, and I am often watching it through my fingers because it's so awkward, but it also produces some of the biggest belly laughs of any series out there, and especially in season two, has gotten very nuanced and even dark and deep, and it's so, of course, interesting just from a backstage perspective or just from any TV watching perspective to speak to writer-creators who are inhabiting former, younger versions of themselves, mining their childhood to create material, but also physically transforming into these super, super awkward 13-year-old versions of themselves. The conceit of this show, for those who haven't seen it, is that the rest of the supporting cast is actual 13-year-olds. So early 30-something Anna and Maya decked out in, let's say, uh, unflattering wigs and looks and are surrounded by truly a stellar group of supporting actors who are all actual middle schoolers and who feel so real and so natural. For anyone who has ever been in middle school, but maybe particularly those like me who were in middle school in this particular era, it is a very painful, very accurate, and very wonderful show. So we will get to the two of them in just a sec. Pen15 was also co-created by Sam Zweibelman, Zweibelman, sorry, who directs most of the episodes. I'm so excited to see what happens in the second half of season two of Pen15. But also, I just want to say the other point on my agenda for today is that it has been four years since In the Envelope began. This podcast is now four years old, getting past toddler phase. Uh, We've now aired over 150 episodes, and I'm super proud of the work we've put in and these interviews that we've done. We've come a long way since that first episode featuring... Claire Danes, who marched over from her West Village apartment to record with us despite the fact that we didn't have a proof of concept for her. (laughs) And here we are, you know, almost 200 interviews later with Maya and Anna. Um, Four years. Yeah, it's amazing. Shout out to Jamie for producing and editing every single episode and co-parenting this podcast with me. Shout out to Casey, who you all know the fairy godmother of this podcast, and of course the team at Backstage for putting it together week after week after week. So exciting to be here in June as the Emmy nominating period comes up and Emmy nominations come up next month. And I look forward to bringing you all more insightful interviews with some of the most exciting talents in Hollywood today. Anyway, happy birthday to us. So let's take a quick break and get to today's interview. Thank you as always for joining us. Applications are now available for UCLA's Professional Program in Acting for the Camera. Gain knowledge from successful industry professionals and receive a world-class acting education in three quarters consisting of scene study, acting for the camera, and career development workshops, 
an intimate classroom environment with a maximum of 16 students per workshop, and a certificate of completion from the UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television. Students are encouraged to apply early, space is limited, admission is competitive. Just Google UCLA Professional Programs and you'll find us. Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle met at New York University and created a web series together before going on to write, produce, edit, and star as middle school-aged versions of themselves on Hulu's Emmy-nominated comedy, Pen15. Maya also stars in Betas, Casual, and the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi, while Anna has appeared in Rosewood, Baskets, and Together Together. Here are the hilarious Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle. Hello, you guys. Hi. Um, how are you both doing? I know, um, congratulations on becoming new mothers. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Wild. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> yeah, I'm so impressed. So, Thank you so much for doing press, really. I mean, this is great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Please, thanks for having us. <laughs> you're all, I mean, you're sitting at home, I guess. I guess we're all doing, we're doing these Zoom meetings that we're all used to by now, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Love them. Love. <laughs> Love. Not tired of them at all. No. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> Not ready for in-person at all. Right, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> other than having babies, like, what has the last year been like? What is the um, the deal with Pen15? Has there been filming? No. No. It, it was basically, it started off with uh, just editing. So we had stopped and we had, uh, like, eight days left of shooting, I would say. And, um, so we started, so we just began editing the first half of season two, part one. Um, so we were in a hole of editing. I would say, well, for about two weeks, Anna and I got to experience a pause and have a little bit of, Mm. I call it domestic bliss. I didn't, we, we had been a bit burnt out from working, you know, so long. And, uh, though it was, terrifying and awful for so many people. It was nice to have a pause from the sort of fast pace that was just, you know, I think looking back now, I'm like, wow, that was not sustainable or healthy. And I don't, I want to, you know, I think we all learn to sort of slow down um, a bit. And so that was really, really lucky and privileged to be able to do that. And then we went into editing and then both got pregnant. So we were like, oh, we can't shoot. <laughs> Until we have our babies ever again <laughs> to finish it out or <laughs> ever it again. I'm like, how will we ever work again? Like, I have no, I haven't figured it out. No. Yeah. Because on other shows, actresses have, you know, covered pregnancies. But I feel like on a show where you're right. both playing 13-year-old versions of yourselves, and you've even talked about um, the contraptions that go into creating your 13-year-old bodies... Well, this is, sorry, I'm just talking over you, but this is our first time yeah. having breasts. I can say Anna and I have the same size and <laughs> I would say True. this is my first time having, so I don't know how the, you know, how it's going to work when we have to strap it down, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I'm scared. Like I Me thought I had breasts before and I, I was wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have to, yeah, we wear these kind of corset things. Yeah. And actually, we just had I don't know if you saw that email yet, Maya, but I just saw that we're setting up a, a meeting with our costumer to see if she needs to, you know, retailer basically all our because so the scenes that we have left oh, are, are we block shot everything. So we have several scenes you know, in the middle of several different episodes. So our costumes are done and so we have to match everything, yeah. which is overwhelming as someone who yeah. gained 45 pounds during pregnancy sure. um to get back to, to yeah. 13 so but yeah I mean it'll be interesting the thing that I'm the most curious about is like lactating and I was just gonna say yeah like, it's gonna when be we weird. think of our babies I truly when I I didn't know about that when I think of my baby when I hear him cry when I hear another baby cry it just is like a shower that uh <laughs> 
spurts out. Sorry, it's very graphic, but that it's is awesome. good. lactating when you're, you know, I don't know what that means for the pressure on you. Anyway, we haven't talked about motherhood. Um, yeah, <laughs> so this yeah is, uh... we really haven't. Yeah, this is new. It feels on point to talk about lactating given this show and the visceral elements of this show. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, you've, you've both spoken to Backstage before. Before I go any further, you both have a relationship with Backstage. Did you use it back in the day? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> what for? Yeah. Dare we, dare we go back to the earliest memories of your career? What <laughs> Submissions, right? Like I would use it to submit for auditions and never got a single one from it. But not, not, I just don't think, you know, I did it right or I wasn't <laughs> right for the parts. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it worked for other people, but same. I was I like on either backstage or actor's access. Yes. Yeah. And let's say this actor didn't have access. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so corny. Um, yeah, it was, it was just. Yeah, it was a lot of time spent on those sites with very little reward. (laughs) But I did go, like, I remember backstage having the information on open calls Mm -hmm. for Broadway. Oh, mm -hmm. And that always felt like an equalizer because Actors Access was mostly, you know, non-union, non-non-non-non-union jobs. Right. (laughs) And... And backstage had the opportunities of like actually a big, you know, production. Which, and right. I would wait all day. I would go. I remember always walking past mm-hmm. this McDonald's in, in New York City and waiting all day and having to use the McDonald's bathroom as I was waiting. And being like, <laughs> so this relatable. is my life. And then, yeah. And then like most of the time not get seen. Would you get seen? I got seen once and it was, yeah. it didn't go great. <laughs> but at least I, don't think I got I was seen. ever seen at, you know, but at least you got seen yeah I tried it a couple times and I didn't I didn't get in I just sat there I think I left <laughs> yeah. early probably because I was like it ain't happening but and you really have to like vibe yourself up to even do it because it's scary yeah and you're usually there all day but backstage yeah. sort of represented sorry we're just talking so much yeah but it it was like the mecca of theater, you know, like it was the, the, the yeah. magazine that you looked at for interviews and all of those things. And it just, so it is, it feels very nice that we get to even be yeah. talking to you yeah. <laughs> backstage. Well, yeah. And of course the advice is then like create your own work, right? Like big picture, you right. guys early career, lots of auditions, lots of rejection, as you're saying, and eventually mm-hmm. it did become writing. At what point did it, did it more become writing? And I know you've both given so many joint interviews before, but how did you meet? How did how did the collaboration begin in the early days of, of that? Yeah, we met at school. We both went to college in New York City, and um, I think it was our junior year of college. And technically, actually, we were in Amsterdam because it was a summer yeah. program and it was experimental theater. Cool. And... Um, yeah, I just, I immediately wanted to be Maya's friend and then was also like, she's the most talented person I've ever seen. And, and I felt that way. Mm, yes, I, I did. It. And I hate okay. that you always no, doubt it. Long it's just insane. Go. It's, oh, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. Um, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah. And then that summer, you know, the end of the summer, we got back from Amsterdam and it had been this like 20 person program, really intensive um, with actually a lot of people now, weirdly, that are in comedy, because it was not a comedically right. focused thing. It was oh. super dramatic and, you know, we're doing Shakespeare and clowning and playing, uh-huh. you know, weird <laughs> animals on the ground. And it's so weird. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. And then, and then we became really, really close when we got back. And we always talked about making something together and. A couple years after being out of college, we finally, I think, both were in a similar place mentally and put making something together as the priority Mm. um, Mm -hmm. to everything else, really, in our work. And so and that's when we I think my correct me wherever I'm wrong here, but like really discovered that writing, producing, you know, Mm -hmm. playing characters. We made like a freaky web series that all of that was, you know, really something that we loved and wanted Mm. to keep doing. Yeah. And I would say that I remember while we were doing it, I think I was seeing a therapist at the time, but I had 
mentioned to her, I was like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. And this was just our web series. Like, but I still was looking at it as like the hardest thing. But I said, yeah, it was hard. But the first time I felt real confidence in a way, because I was actually, I had for so long, I mean, the insecurity never goes away. Like I still feel that, but Mm. it was the first time that I felt empowered because we were putting it into our own hands and actually taking risks together to try to create something mm-hmm. that even if we were going to fail, we were doing it for what we liked. We were like, what makes us mm-hmm. laugh? What, what do we love? What is fun for us to do? And that gave me sort of my first taste of like, Oh, confidence or enjoyment or, it, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. uh, it was, yeah, wildly rewarding. So cool. And there was so much to that I liked about, um, studying theater and growing up doing community mm-hmm. theater and stuff like that. And just being like, okay, I'm an actress and this right. is what I want and this is what I'm going to do and whatever. And then, but I also liked so many different things in acting and I had auditioned for so many different kinds of things. And mm-hmm. it took, I mean, it sounds so corny, but I think this speaks to our like creative ESP that it took meeting Maya to be like pretty much amused and you've continued to be that for me of being like, Oh, I have to get up and write today for her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just being like creatively driven to be like, Oh, this is actually something really exciting. I want to hear her. Do right. This. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. Cool. Or I always think of the motivation to write a lot of times is like, will Anna like this? Will Anna laugh at this? Cause that's how I sort of trust the pro like, that's what I trust kind of. It's like, Oh, if she's dying on the floor, peeing her pants, I don't care what anyone else says that's going in. Like that's that's sort of, you know, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Which definitely happens where we do something and we think it's Mm -hmm. hysterical. And then you watch it in a screening room and everyone's like, not laughing. Dead silent. No one else. Yeah. Everyone on set is like, please stop. We're ready to go home. True. <laughs> but that's like the trial and error of of taking the work into your own hands and creating your own material. That's what that enables you to do, right? Like hone what you think is funny in relationship right. with what audiences think is funny. Mm. Is it safe to say the, the goal is like to get as close as possible to get the two things aligned? The stuff that you find funny, you want them to find funny. I mean, I, uh, that would be a wonderful way. Yeah, I, I think for us, it's always been, if it was by myself, I think I would, you know, be thinking about that, but because I do have Anna and Sam and uh, just a whole ensemble of people and crew and it's sort of like whatever is working for us or what makes Anna laugh or what it's kind of, I've learned to let go of what the audience will like because I have no control over it. And it's sort of mm-hmm. hard to expect because they may like one thing and then the next, you know, there's no telling. And it's sort of, okay, if we just stick to being as honest as possible and and not go for the laugh or not go for, you know, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And how, so how does it work? The The hats, I call it the hats of like, you guys are multi-hyphenates. This becomes such a cliche term, but like, um, is the writing hat completely different from the producing hat? And then I'm guessing on set when you're filming, that's another mode entirely because you're also obviously getting into character and doing it on screen. Yeah, it's pretty wild, that whole thing. And I think, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not like we came into it being super experienced with the with boundaries even of like, okay, now I'm doing <laughs> this, and now I'm doing this, you know, sure. it, right. it's been... It's been a lot of, you know, insisting that we show run to Hulu, which who thankfully were supportive of that mm-hmm. and then figuring mm-hmm. it out after, you know. So I think what's what where I'm at with that is the the writing producing because we're a lower budget show tend to go hand in hand where okay. the conversations, um, the production conversations just end up happening in the writer's room as we're doing something, mm-hmm. writing something, creating something, because we know that we're limited by this set or, you know, this, mm-hmm. uh, the kids have certain work hours that they can do and we can right. have them working at the same time. So, and we have a pretty limited writing schedule. So it, it all ends up, being of the same and I think you know and acting wise same thing like the lines are very blurred in that Mm -hmm. 
you know, if we're not cracking a scene writing, Maya and I are there, you know, talking it out loud and being our characters and trying to, you know, figure out that scene. So it's pretty blurred, I'd say. Sure. And you also mentioned editing. Yes, we are definitely, we edit. That's wild. 16 hours a day. Yeah. So that's where, you know, I don't know if that's fully normal. Like I think that, yeah, or healthy. I think we, you know. Too many hats. It's, yeah, yeah, but, you know, and so first season was a lot of learning, especially with three creators and one of them also being a director. You know, it's like a constant conversation and these conversations would last hours. And so we learned, you know, we learned how to, uh, make decisions oh. together and there's so many decisions, but voting, voting best two out of three, that, voting. that tends and to you be, got, uh, you got that advice also from a, a creator of many, right. That Rob yeah. McElhaney from, um, it's always yes. sunny. I was, I talked to him and I said, how, how, cause we were in the middle of editing our first season. And I remember we were having some disagreement about, you know, the music or I, I don't know what, and, and who knows? Anything. Who knows? And <laughs> I said, how did you guys do this? Cause I know you're all best friends and you know, you've, you're like a family and you've been editing and making the show all together for so long. And he said, do you respect and love your friends? I was like, yeah. And he was like, you, you like their opinions? I was like, definitely. And he was like, you've all lived, you know, differently. You're all going to have different perspectives. So if two out of three of you think very passionately about something and you really don't see it that way, you kind of got to give it up to be like, but they both see it that way. So I got to just let it go. And then comes in the sort of what's your passion level? So you just can't throw that around, though, of being like, I'm a passion mm. 10, though, which you can easily do Always. if you voted out. Oh. <laughs> but but it it really... Maya, it, do you mean if someone got outvoted and there was two people that want a certain thing, the one yes. person that got outvoted could be like, wait, I'm wait. passion 10. Please yes. don't vote me out. Let me say one more thing yes. that might change your mind and change you, the you vote, right? You get one try. Yeah, you get one try and you all yeah. have to really listen to each other because it's so easy to lose sight of that. Because you get like zeroed in yeah. on, oh, no, no, it must be blue. It it has to be blue. And I, <laughs> you know, for whatever reason. Um, right. But yeah, so we edit too. <laughs> Amazing. That, that was really helpful, that advice. <laughs> it was so helpful. Yeah. yeah. Is, is it really a scale from one to 10, the passion? I love that idea. Um, yeah, because sometimes it's like, you know what? I'm a level three on this. Like, take it. I'm okay. Like okay. this, you know, there they're really, it does help. And yeah. sometimes if you're yeah. both at a level 10, then you discuss it. And it's it's that important to you both. So you really want, you know, and yeah. And I think that's, you know, what makes this show so gratifying to work on in a way and, you know, is having two other people that I respect so much and that are, are my best friends. And that uh, it's like three unique minds coming together to form something Mm -hmm. that on our own, none of us could make, you know, it's, there's just something really. Without one, it's not truly pen 15, like what it is and what it's come to be. It's it's, and, and that's, you know, you learn that too, I think over time, because you see something, you know, screen or whatever, like make the final cut that you were unsure about. And yeah, it just is validating over and over that it's like, oh, that thing that I was so positive about it, either I was wrong or it still works. Mm. Right. And, and why do I get, you know what I mean? And then you kind of yeah. learn even more like the trust, love, respect, like all that. And sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. It'll all work yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no egos, like Rob's advice is the point is to be respectful and not like you're not holding grudges or taking it with you at the end of the day. That's the nature of like a good collaborative, creative environment, right? Right. And also like trusting the process of like it's it's the choice is not going to like make or break the episode. And I think sometimes when you're editing, you can be like, wait, if this scene doesn't have this moment, it will break it. You know, it's so easy. And editing, it can be edited so many different ways. That's what's so fun about the post process is that it can really change how something goes. And, and, uh, you know, if but but there's uh yeah, I don't know. It's been a good lesson there for mm-hmm. us, I feel like, this year to just, like, really trust the 
process. The storytelling. <laughs> Losing, I have mommy brain. This is where oh. I start to blank out. And I'm like, not hearing mommy at all. I'm just hearing I'm Maya. I'm super mommy. I'm just thinking <laughs> mommy. I'm going to start yeah. calling you mommy. <laughs> well, that sort of that sort of leads to the next because the other question I had about writing was like, how do you think about tone, and also rhythm, which rhythm seems like so much a part of the post production, the editing process, mm. right? Mm. And like, yeah. how often are you guys having conversations about it's too many jokes? We need a little bit more drama or sweetness. It's um, too too rapid fire. We need it to slow down. Like, are you constantly thinking about balance? Yeah, I mean, that's a hard one. I'd say that every season so far has kind of taken its own sensibility on. I think that this last season, season two, there was discussion about like, is this just, is this still the show? Is it too serious? You know, but we kind of decided that we would let it be what it would be, you know? And I think, I think that there was something going on of wanting to continue to challenge ourselves because, we're 34 playing 13 year olds and how do we stay stimulated and excited about every season or whatever. Mm -hmm. But there were certainly, you know, times that I got worried that it was just not the same show, you know, but again, like just tried to accept Mm -hmm. it's going to be what it's going to be. And if it changes and evolves, like that's what's supposed to happen. Mm. Um, And I think rhythmically, you know, the only rhythm that I'm, yeah, definitely in post, there's a rhythm in terms of cutting and especially mm-hmm. when the scene is out or I guess we are really involved in that. I was just thinking like, I don't care that much, but no, we get really psychotic about like what's About where it cuts out. Yeah, like sometimes yeah. it's like after the breath, after an exhale. Right. I think she doesn't need to exhale at the end. I think we can yeah, cut it you're off right. there. Like right. <laughs> it's that intricate. That's cool, but when yeah. I'm, But when we're acting it, I feel like you and I, Maya, have a natural rhythm. Yes. But at the same time, I feel, because I feel like I know your mind, but I, yeah. when it comes to like sitcom rhythm or, you know, whatever, that I really, and I think you too, and even jokes within Pen15, written jokes are not that common in our show. It's more situational or character-based. So when those like actual written jokes mm-hmm. come out, I feel like we're half the time fighting against that rhythmically to just like ground it and take the joke out, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think we've always, yeah, just in general, like I know Anna and I, when we've acted in things before, if there were jokes, which some people can do wonderfully, and I think Anna can do it wonderfully, the instinct is always like, oh, I, I don't know how to this feels like a joke as opposed to me saying it as this character really mm. honestly, unless I was a character that like makes jokes all the time. But, right. but when it feels like it's like written, how do you know? So we, it, yeah. it's exactly what Anna was saying. It's just like fighting against that of like, these are 13 year olds. They don't know how to, I don't think make right. like, you know, Punch witty lines. jokes, I think yeah. or they could, but you know, it's more, what's funny is that they're, you know, uh, rejects trying to trying to be funny or trying to fit in or try whatever it is but failing you know they're kind of not in on the joke i suppose yes (laughs) yes that's so interesting anna what you said the idea of is this still the show this Mm -hmm. this almost like branding of the show it sort of goes back to maya what you were saying about like you're not trying to guess what the audience wants or guess Mm -hmm. their expectations and try to match it right it is it always goes back to that thing of like truthfulness you guys are trying to find yeah. the, the the most honest way to tell this story right yeah yeah and I think also you know having a limited amount of time to write there's also the element of like finding the arc ahead of time and just mm. moving forward and hoping that it's going to be that that's enough and that our hard work mm. is going to be enough and because then this next season that's coming out evolves into something else tonally I think Mm. and that's to me like I'm really excited about that tone but it also is intimidating because you know to be totally honest it's like we've gotten a lot of critical you know support from the seriousness of this last season Mm -hmm. so it changing again is like I I think you know if if I was going to think real deeply into it, it would be Anna and Maya are forever 13 we're forever in limbo 
but we wanted them to grow, you know, and we wanted them to go through different phases. And so every season, I think you're getting, you're getting a new phase in a way. um, Yeah. I I do almost think that the next season, I mean, I haven't watched the first cuts of them, but will be sillier in a way, Mm -hmm. lighter, but yet darker, more adult themes too at the same Mm -hmm. time. Like they could, because like you're saying, they do grow up a bit. So there is fun in that, but I wonder Mm -hmm. how, yeah, that's gonna, it's always scary. It's always scary to put out the season. We felt terrified to put out this season, just like Anna was saying, we were like, is this going to be liked? I don't know. And will we like it? You know, I think we're in a lot of ways. I, and what I keep learning, we'll see if this continues to be true, but we're our harshest critics yes. you know um we're really hard on on every aspect of of the show which is why we work so hard which is why we have 15 hour yeah. days every day <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> think you can write two feature screenplays or a tv spec and two original tv pilots in less than nine months if you are accepted into the ucla professional program in screenwriting or writing for television you will Both programs begin this fall. Learn from renowned UCLA instructors and you'll receive a world-class education in less than a year, an intimate environment with a maximum of 10 students per instructor, guidance from writing your script through navigating the industry, and a certificate of completion from the UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television. Just Google UCLA Professional Programs. You'll find us. It sounds like the self-doubt, and this is something we've heard on the podcast all the time, it doesn't stop. After after your early career auditioning days, it continues. It just morphs into different things. Like you Mm -hmm. said, the critical acclaim comes in, and then it's a different kind of like, are we now going to fall flat on our faces? So what do you do to, to, to combat that? What do you do to quiet those voices in your head, if that's how you think of it? Such a good question. (laughs) It also sort of comes to a self-care. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Anna and I are always talking about this because on set, you know, it's so easy for me to uh, complain and go to Anna after every scene like I was horrible. That was, you know, and it's just such a waste of energy and we don't Mm. have time for that. Um, So there's that side of me. But then there's also what I said was like, because of Sam and Anna, I for the first time felt like I could fight for something that I was involved in. Normally I want to be like, please look away. I'm not worthy, whatever. Mm -hmm. But because pen 15, um, wasn't just me, it was Anna and Sam. And I, I, it was like, I was saying, Oh, Anna and Sam here, look at this. I'm pushing this forward. So I could be kind of, at least when we were pitching it or, or Mm -hmm. sort of putting it out there, I felt safe in that sense. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I don't know as a, yeah, it's, there's something about having friends involved that you believe in so hard that, mm. that make, that take the, takes the pressure off yourself. So you don't yeah. have to think so much of like, what will they think about me? What about this? Or that I'm like, mm. well, I believe in them. So, yeah. you know, that, that makes me believe in the show. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Doing it on your own would be so much harder to talk yourself out of the doubt. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And to motivate yourself, like you've both been saying, like it's the holding each other accountable is also part of it. And Mm -hmm. just having structure and deadlines, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, the show and working together and has been a continued lesson. And the show itself came out of this actually as well. But to continue to have this mindset is almost impossible, but like a willingness to fail that, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at the deeper feeling that what you do elicits and and aiming for that feeling and trying to um, let go of you know, as much as possible of the approval aspect, you know, especially Mm -hmm. as actors, Mm -hmm. just all of us as humans, but especially actors, you're just trained to wait for the applause and to wait for the approval. And, Mm -hmm. and it's really hard for me to get out of that mentality. And that's my go-to. So pen 15 in a lot of ways was a direct response to that of going, Mm -hmm. people aren't going to like this. Nobody's going to like this, but we like it. So let's do it. (laughs) And we continuing that mentality. And I think Maya, is a really good example of this. And I'm trying to, too. And so is Sam 
of like continuing to put ourselves in situations, whether it's pen 15 or a different work experience that we could potentially fail at. Um, instead of just continuing doing what, okay, we were, we, you know, got, you know, a claim for this or whatever. So I'm going to keep doing that. Like Mm -hmm. that's not the soul of pen 15 and that's not how I work. Well, I found also selfishly. Anna, you taught me the biggest lesson, which I still have to remind myself every time if I'm doing an audition, I just remember for so long, just like you were saying, I would always audition thinking about what they possibly want from this character. Like I would just try to imagine this is what they're looking for and attempt that. And, and it always sort of led me down the wrong path. And I remember Anna, it was like a revelation, but she was like, I'm just doing it how I would want to play this. Hmm. If it actually filmed, like, think about that, you know, like Hmm. we, when we do pen 15, we're doing it how we want to do it. So imagine if you got this job, is that how you would want to play it or play it how you would enjoy playing that character? And that mm-hmm. sort of just like blew my mind and it kind of shifted everything for me. I still have to teach myself that every time, but totally. I don't even remember saying that, but I need to write that you down did. for myself. Yeah, it's, a, it's so, no, you did. You said it so much. And I was like, oh, wow, that is talk about like empowering yourself to sort of, you know, and, and then if you don't get the job, it's like, great, then that's how I would have wanted to play it. Mm. And it's not meant to go my way. And that's great. That's, that's, yeah, I don't know. That's no. so, that's so nice. Yeah. I w- it also just made me think Maya that recently I was doing, you know, we've been so busy with pen 15. I haven't well, and it's not like the offers are flying in, but I haven't done, you know, much of not many other things. Yeah. Since we've been doing pen 15. And I just recently did a little something and on someone else's set. And I kept my after I haven't told you this yet, but I kept after every take that when people were great in their take, I'd be like, that was amazing. That's so good. Da, da, da. And then go back to my son. Then we do it again. And every day. Yeah. And someone was like, it's so like, I forget what they said, but there was a comment that after I kept saying things after every <laughs> like you and I was like, and they were being totally nice about it, but I got in my right. head and I was like, oh my God, this person is so experienced and amazing. And I'm this less experienced person being like, that was amazing. You have my approval. No. Do you know what I mean? But it came from a it didn't come from that. It came from yeah. us being set together because that's what I'm used to. And like <laughs> validating each other continually because we came from such a place of, is this okay? Especially playing 13 year olds. That's oh, so, yes. you feel like such a fraud, you know? And so just needing that approval, me personally, yeah. from Maya. Me too. And we've worked on needing it less as time's gone yes. on. But I just realized on set recently that like, oh, my God, this is a weird (laughs) habit that I have now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And I'm so sorry because that's from me being like, how was I? That was no, I do the same thing. I do the same (laughs) thing. That person knows that they're incredible and that I just like I say it when I see it. I would love if an actor said that every time. That's such a nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's lovely. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing bad about that. Well, okay. (laughs) I mean, I think it's great advice. Like that, that's actually such a great transition because of course I have to ask you about the acting that perform, you know, turning into these characters. I think it's so spot on what you're both saying about as artists, of course, you're the whole point is putting yourself out there, risking failure, but especially as actors on screen, Mm -hmm. I would dare say, especially as female actors on screen. Mm -hmm. I feel like you guys are to the nth degree with that because you are, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you are uh, transforming yourselves into younger versions of yourself that are less than flattering uh, <laughs> in terms of physicality. Could we talk about the physical transformation? How did you put these characters together? And then at what point does it become like, aha, I've slipped into my 13-year-old character self's shoes? Yeah. Such a good question. Yeah. I mean, the... The external, I know Anna and I both connect on this, but we've always talked about how like uh, the external stuff really helps inform internal for us. So like if, Mm -hmm. you know, hair, posture, physicality instantly sort of makes you feel a certain way because, you, you know, Anna's 
putting her hand over her stomach and hunching her shoulders because she's hiding her nipples that are forming, you know, it instantly makes her probably feel a certain way. And same with me. And Mm -hmm. I think there was something now that we're in season two, Anna always calls it her little buddy, but every time like the wig comes on, I instantly feel different. Like it's Mm -hmm. just, it's not, I, I, it feels like I, I am slipping into her and I have permission to be, um, free and wild and sort of unapologetic and kind of just, I can be my 13 year old self. I can be whiny. I can be bratty. I can be bombastic. I can be really shy and upset. And there's sort of, um, no apologizing. And that I think is so freeing for us really because it's our show. So we get to sort of, you know, run around wild, but Anna and I tend to, you know, in terms of when you say like unappealing, like we don't want to be appealing. I think when I've had to look Mm -hmm. like if I'm cast as someone where I have to look, you know, quote unquote pretty or, you know, I feel um, like I can't move or something. Like if I move a hair out of place, Mm -hmm. I will ruin whatever this character is supposed to be. And so there's something about being, um, totally free. Like it just was incredibly liberating to play these characters because we didn't have to really worry about how we looked except for as your 13 year old self, like Mm -hmm. trying to look pretty when you, you know, Mm -hmm. look like Maya does, but you know, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, I just, it just sent me like thinking about so many different things, just the expectation of, as a woman, what you're supposed to look like on screen and Mm -hmm. the amount of makeup you wear compared to the guys that are in the trailer getting, you know, ready and how different we're supposed to look and what a jail that creatively creates, you know? And I Mm -hmm. think it's, it is so normal that it's hard to even spot in a way like that it's kind of messed mm-hmm. up and i think that doing pen 15 with maya was yeah it was just so freeing to you know ironically we're playing 13 but not to hide the wrinkles because that that it you know wearing makeup felt older then it right. did not wear makeup and mm-hmm. be 13 and and you know wearing makeup felt you know, you don't want to be too perfect or too whatever, because that's not true to these characters. A lot of the hair and makeup was exactly what we would do, you know, as a 13 year old and going back to that memory. But I think, yeah, there's, it's just until you reach a a certain point in your career. And I would say just like a handful of just these incredible actresses that get Mm. amazing opportunities to not have to be like and they're gorgeous Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and get to just genuinely inhibit these characters it's far and few between so I'm so grateful that we you know got the opportunity to just be characters with zero sex appeal (laughs) zero capital Zero. zero of a number like you know it it's and it took really till you just said that Maya just understanding how it just made it just makes me feel shitty and it's a reason to not want to leave pen 15 to not want to ever totally oh sure it's just it's just kind of it's just sad and we get to make these decisions ourselves right so on other people's stuff you you don't Anna, yeah. how delusional were we though? Cause we're talking about this now, but definitely on set many times I would go to Anna and she'd come to me and we'd be like, wait, but do I look too hot? Like, do I yeah. look a little too hot right now? Cause I want to like make it less hot. And people were like, you're good. Like you don't look too hot. And me and Anna are like, wait, but I'm worried that like, cause at one point Anna, I was like, you do look too hot right now. And everyone else was like, it's all right. Like she, she doesn't need to Same with you. change her. We the school dance. each other all the time. The season finale school dance of first season. When I saw you, you oh, were yeah. like, do, do I look okay? And I was like, um, yeah. And you were like, what? And I was like, no, you just look really pretty. And everybody was like, 
She's good. Like, like yeah. she's good. Like, because Anna was like, I think we should like maybe change her bang. Like, maybe put all the bangs out this time or something. And they were like, No, nah, she's good. Like, she's we're busted good. enough. Yeah, yeah, she's busted. We're good. <laughs> That's too funny. It's uh, it really is fascinating because it's like you guys are are playing self conscious, but you're what you're saying is you're not self conscious as as actors, which is really good because it sounds like self consciousness gets in the way of a good performance if you're thinking about yourself and yeah you i mean i th- that's that's very f- forgiving like i think i think i'm still <laughs> still a little self-conscious like i'll have moments of that but it informs the self-consciousness maybe of the 13 cool. year old version of ourselves but yeah. in terms of like there's no self-consciousness about yeah like um trying to appear pretty like there's no you know ideal that i'm trying to match which is yeah that is very free is that pressure it's, yeah it's kind of like the yeah. easel it's like so heady here but it's kind of like going in with a blank canvas to every scene that's putting a bunch of makeup on our face or mm-hmm. whatever to be a cuter version of what honestly 13 would be and that's how i would want right. to approach all characters is like mm genuinely what is the makeup that this person that let's say an old you know part that I did was like a forensic scientist and I was in mini skirts (laughs) and full faces of makeup and tons of fake hair because it was fox and that's what you did and Mm -hmm. to me and that is so 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 common so because women are in, in this box of what we're supposed to look like and I am and it and it kills my creative speed. Like I want if when yeah. I'm on, you know, mine are both a little methody to be totally honest. So it's probably <laughs> partly that, but like when I go on set, I, I want to feel like I'm just this person wearing yeah. what I would wear. And, and, and if I'm, if my body isn't perfect enough or whatever, quote unquote, like that's cause you hired me and this is the character and I'm not going to change was- that. If I was casting you as a forensics investigator, like I would have you like have frizzy hair, like it would just, and like yes. put, put brows on you that were just yeah. a little bushier, like glasses yeah. maybe, or just down straight with your hair, you know, not, not it's so wild. Like, it's yeah. so funny how these shows can just want well, you like to look sexified and like fetishized and not yeah. worth watching unless someone wants to jerk off and it's just like. <laughs> sucks you know it just sucks yeah totally true is it so is it therapeutic i mean is it therapeutic playing these characters in a healthy way yes i would say it's there have been many cathartic moments it's also not just playing these characters but the whole process of making this show anna and i talk about a lot it's like having a mirror up to you you know like it's very uh, it's felt very meta and it's felt like I've grown up while making this show. Like I mm-hmm. felt like I was going through another adolescence, almost mm-hmm. like late twenties into thirties, a big transitional period in my life. And same with being 13, it was a big transitional period in my life. So a lot of growing pains and learning more about myself, learn, you know, like the, it just feels like Anna and I, I say this all the time. I feel really lucky because we didn't get to actually be 13 together but we Mm -hmm. kind of are going through this adolescence together Mm -hmm. and we've like grown from our 20s to now now having kids to you know it's just wild like we've had sort of another adolescence but yeah it is it feels like therapy for sure and it feels like it it whatever's going on in our life seems to inform the show and the show then informs our life so cool yeah yeah so so true i feel so lucky too that's great I have to let you both go so soon. Um, thank you so much. This is so wonderful. We ask these silly questions of everyone, um, and I think it could kind of shed some light on your guys's like inspir- like process of inspiration. Is there something you've seen recently, or do you have a go-to favorite uh, screen performance or like screen work of art that has really inspired you? Ooh. When I was a kid, well, many things, but one thing that I held on to. I saw Splendor in the Grass and Natalie Wood was always like my beacon of, I watched her first in West Side Story and now watching Mm. it, I'm like, oh, wow. Like I'm seeing the issue with having this white woman play um, Puerto Rican. But but when I was, 
when I was that age, I was also in West Side Story, couldn't sing a damn note, but for some reason I was cast as Maria. And so I watched She's a very West Side Story. No, no, I'm not. Oh my gosh. I at at ten and I would cry. I was like, it was really, you know, not great. But um I copied that was sort of my first time learning how to act as I mimicked Natalie Wood. Like cool. intonation, everything she did. I I was a I don't know, something. I did her accent, everything, and I was obsessed with her. And then I learned later that that wasn't really what acting was, but you know, that was how I sure. jumped into it. Wow. Cool. That's amazing. This is really weird, but there was a documentary called Grizzly Man by Werner Herzog. And the guy in it is obsessed with bears, like obsessed, lives in the wild. His hair is wild. His he's he's such a character. I love him so much. And it's absolutely. <laughs> I don't I'm sorry. I'm absolutely sorry. a comedy. And. And there's lots of trauma as well. Wow. <laughs> Which is my favorite. <laughs> there's union. Some DNA for Pen15 in there. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely that watch it. So That's funny. great. Um, <laughs> I'm not cutting any of that out, by the way. <laughs> no, you can't. I'm laughing because you were laughing, by the way. Like I, it's, And also it's funny, but also, no, that's so What's great. wrong with me? Nothing's oh. wrong with you. I've never seen I'm going to have to go watch it now, obviously. You have to watch it. I know, I need to, too, tonight. He has, like, friend squirrels and foxes, and he's, like, (laughs) eternally himself because Mm. he's alone in this place for, like, a year. And so he's just recording himself all the time. That's his friend Bear, and that's his friend Squirrel. And, yeah. Wow. It's it's really good. It's really, it's very sad, but it's very good. That is a very good answer to that question. Um, I have to let you both go, but we always ask... What is, you know, one piece of advice you would give your younger self, which is a question that I think is especially apt for the two of you, Mm. considering you think about your younger selves a lot. So true. (laughs) I would say you're going to fail a lot. And that's, and I know you're not going to want to, you're Mm -hmm. really going to hate it in the moment, (laughs) but every single one you're going to look back on and go like, that was really important. Mm -hmm. And if you kind of aren't afraid of the failure and really look at it and 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 talk to it, it's going to propel you to something that you will enjoy even more than whatever your initial goal was. And that's not just Love true that. to career. That's true all over life. And I, I need to keep that. reminding myself of that all the I time. I need that. Yeah. I need that. That's great. Um Okay, I guess because this is something I'm learning right now, just in terms of I think I I care so much what people think that it can sometimes cause me to make decisions that aren't maybe in my best interest or I think will please someone else. Or it's just something I've been doing since I was 13, like literally that age Mm -hmm. um, here and there. Not always, but I guess I would try to say. Try to find some quiet. I mean, this is so hard because I don't have the answer to not care, you know, but like, what is something that gives you, you know, joy and maybe space and time to really think about what it is you want and, and just ask for it and do it and don't apologize. Hmm. Maybe that's what I would say, but I don't know how that's very... I don't even know how to achieve that, really. Well, now. exactly. You, that's you do brilliant. that, though, all the time. I do I that. So do I that. do. I yeah. love that you see that. But Yeah. No, it's I? what okay. everyone needs to work on. <laughs> do I? Yeah. Yes. yeah, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's something, these are things to relearn. Like, you can't just. Yeah. You, it's not the yeah. kind of advice that you hear it and you take it and you learn it and you've mastered it. Mm-hmm. It's right. a process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forget and remember. Forget and remember. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah cool. Maya, Anna, thank you both so much. This is so, this was so fun. Thank you. So fun. And now it's time to hear from Christine McKenna Torella, our backstage casting insider. I will let her take it away. Hi, guys. Christine McKenna Torella here. 
This week, I'm diving into our inbox and answering a question that I get a lot uh, about actors that are pivoting into new careers. Just keep in mind that you can send us questions to editorial at backstage.com and in the title, just say podcast question. We will definitely get to them and consider making it a topic for this segment. And this week, I'm going to tackle how to get into casting. A lot of actors are pivoting. Lots of people are interested in considering it as a career. And so I'm going to give you a few pointers to get you started. So you are your own database, right? People hire you as a casting director because of your level of knowledge on the business. They expect you to know what actors are doing, what type of talent is available for their budget, who is up and coming and just graduating from school, who's just finished a show, that type of level of detail. So knowing the talent pool will get you hired but your overall taste level and whether it matches with the creative team you're working with is what you will get hired for again and again. So research is more accessible than ever. Of course, there's the trade papers like Hollywood Reporter, Backstage, Deadline, Variety, but you can also research casts on IMDb and Playbill. Um, You can look up live performances that happened on YouTube. You can stream any show literally from your phone. So you can start this database project today. When people envision casting, I always think they see the scene from Flashdance or a chorus line, but that's only 20% of what it is, right? Actually being in the audition room and working with actors, 80% of it is administrative. So you should love detail. (laughs) You should really be detail-oriented and love looking at spreadsheets. Meeting with the creative team and extracting exactly what they need, creating copy for breakdown, organizing auditions that works for everyone's schedules. A lot of emails fly back and forward and keeping on top of all of those. Releasing the breakdown with sensitive, smart wording, finding the talent that don't get submitted on the project so that you have the best people that are coming into the room. And of course, scheduling the auditions and callbacks. That's just some of the tasks that casting does. And there's a further responsibility in this. So being in casting makes you a gatekeeper of a type. Essentially, you are selecting who gets considered for what projects. So empathy and kindness are essential. They're vital in this job. And and more importantly, you have to do all you can to be inclusive in the casting process and confront unconscious bias and make sure that you are doing your best to represent people that are not in this space. A quote that I love when it comes to this is from August Wilson, confront the dark parts of yourself and work to banish them with illumination and forgiveness. Your willingness to wrestle with your demons will cause your angels to sing. Finally, there's no school for this. So uh, you have to intern or assist and work your way up the ladder. That's what I did. (laughs) So look out for opportunities in casting internships with offices, casting offices you're interested in working with. You can also sign up for Casting Society of America job alerts. Or if you're in the UK, there's the Casting Director Guild. In the next few months, we are going to be talking about casting again. We might be interviewing some casting directors. So... uh, Stay tuned. You'll definitely hear more about how to get started in casting on this podcast. On to the casting calls for this week. There is a major global brand casting a commercial for real people with financial goals, real stories about hardships and successes of paying off debt. It pays really well. Check out the casting if you're in the L.A. area. Another great post is from our friends at Bamboo. They're a creative company. We use them a lot for internal casting projects uh, backstage. They are looking for a parent and a child for an ad depicting the creative and educational value level of a magazine called Highlights. They're looking for Seattle, Washington locals. So take a look at that project. And finally, we've got a voiceover for an uplifting online video for youthful, powerful POC female voices, uh, talent for online videos, for a new multi-sensory line of products from a confidential client. It's been vetted. It's a really cool job. I can't really tell you anymore, but take a look at the opportunity that's a nationwide casting. All details are on the site. And of course, there are hundreds of castings for every type of actor in every region on backstage.com. So head over there to check our castings out. 
That's all from me for now. Break a leg in all your upcoming auditions and have a beautiful week. In the Envelope is recorded at Lotus Productions and Hyperbolic Audio in New York City and Soundbox LA, Mark Grouse Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Thanks as always to our producer extraordinaire, Jamie Muffet, and to the team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com, and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. That's right, 100% free. For more exclusive content, join us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope, and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who would you like us to interview next? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another glimpse in the envelope.